This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. That's what it sounded like a few weeks ago in Holton in the Netherlands, an early Remembrance Day memorial service held at a cemetery where over a thousand Canadian soldiers are buried. They fell in battle there in the spring of 1945, liberating the area from the Nazis during the Second World War. Elliot and Jonathan Schiff had traveled there to take part. The Canadian brothers were the only Jews. They were there to commemorate their great-uncle, Sergeant Harry Bachner, a former fur salesman from Toronto, who was killed when his light anti-aircraft gun crew came under attack during a maneuver that the generals codenamed Operation Cannon Shot. The Canadian troops had been ordered to cross the Isle River, build a temporary bridge, and then move men and machines west to push the Germans out of Appledorn and surrounding towns. They did it but not before over 500 Canadians became casualties, including Bachner, a stocky red-headed sergeant who'd already survived nearly 18 months on the front lines of Italy and was eager for the war to end, which it did just three weeks later. And I, I, it goes to why we remember veterans at all. And, and I think, you know, if, if you can take the memory of, of what he did and learn from it something about maybe not giving your life, but giving up your comforts and giving something up for, for the greater good, there's some significance in that too. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, November the 10th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The Schiffs didn't know much about their grandmother's baby brother. She had never talked about Harry. It was too painful. But after she died 20 years ago, they discovered well over a thousand letters that Harry had written home to her. She'd kept them all, a remarkable catalogue of his transformation from a boisterous playboy to a serious leader who looked after his men and died protecting them. Harry Bachner was the youngest of six kids born to a Guelph family, but then they moved to Toronto. He finished three years of high school at Harvard Collegiate and then went out to work. By 1940, he was in uniform. By 42, he was overseas and soon on the front lines in Italy, then France and up through Holland. This fall, when the opportunity came to join a group of veterans' children visiting the battlefields of Holland, Elliot Schiff of Toronto and his brother Jonathan of Israel knew they had to go, for Harry's sake and their own. So coming up, we'll hear why Harry's grave now has a bit of Israel and Canada on it. But first, stay tuned for this message. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. 
With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com. And Jonathan and Elliot Schiff, join me now. Tell us a bit about who Harry was and how are you related to him? Our grandmother, Molly Troster, who passed away in 2003, um, we were very close with her. And Harry was her brother, her younger brother. Uh, Molly was born in 1909 and Harry was born in 1911, I believe. And um, all we knew about Harry was that she had this brother who had been a soldier in the Canadian Army and was killed in the war. And his picture was on the wall of their apartment, our grandparents' apartment, but we never knew anything about him. She didn't talk about him. We knew he was buried in Holland, and that was it. Uh, we embarked on a uh, long journey, uh, basically because Harry had sent home a letter almost every day that he was away. So we have a collection of well over a 1,000 letters, probably closer to 1,300, I think. He may be the most prolific letter writer in Canadian military history. I've never heard of such a thing before. It's so crazy. We learned an incredible amount about him. And what was fascinating to me, aside from the family gossip, which of course is interesting to us and probably not to anybody else, but basically before the war, uh, or he was, you know, kind of a playboy. He was, he liked to drink, he liked to run around with women, he liked to play cards. And he was a bit of the black sheep of this very straight-laced family. And um, in 1940, uh, just almost 30 years old, he volunteered. We don't know why. Uh, I don't think, Elliot, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think in any of the letters he talks about why he went, whether it was a sense of adventure, whether he was getting away from something, or whether he really already understood what, he, what needed to be done against the Nazis. But he volunteered. And um, over the course of the war, at the beginning, the letters are quite amusing. Um, he has some very funny stories to tell. I mean, all through the war, he, he has a sense of humor. But as the war goes on, you see how he matures and how the war affects him. And of course, um, which we can tell you in a moment, we found out also how he was killed in the end. And he was killed a hero. He was killed rescuing one of his men under fire. And so I think in addition to the family interest, which we have, there's a universal story here about this man who how he developed, how the war changed him, and how he, he really evolved, and how the best parts of his personality came out in that, in that hell over there in Europe. The only hint of why Harry enlisted that we received from anybody who knew him was from, we had a cousin named Lloyd Bachner, who was a fairly well-known actor, moved out to Hollywood, uh, was one of the founding actors of Stratford, moved out to Hollywood, I think, in the 60s. Uh, he was a favorite of our grandparents, and we stayed in touch, and I stayed in touch with uh, Lloyd and started sending him Harry's letters because I thought he'd be interested because he was of that generation. And um, what Lloyd uh, told me was he thinks Harry signed up because he was Jewish and that he wanted to set an example and that he knew ultimately he probably would get conscripted, but he wanted to set an example as a Jewish man who was able-bodied and willing to go fight. We'll never know if that was in fact the case. There could have been other personal reasons. We don't know. But... Uh, Harry's Jewishness was important to him. He wasn't a religious man, but there's so many references throughout the letters uh, that, you know, 
obviously he grew up in a religious family and, and that stayed with him. And especially as he found himself at war among mostly non-Jews. And a lot of times uh, he was educating them about Jews. And it was very difficult for Jews in those days to be in the Second World War as Canadian soldiers fighting their own anti-Semitism right in their own ranks and in their own barracks, never mind the Nazis, right? Would he have to sort of uh, set the record straight or did he actually physically or uh, emotionally deal with anti-Semitic comments? So he does talk about that, Ellen. And, and funny enough, there are situations where he's sitting, talking about sitting around with all these non-Jews and engaging in actually debates with them. And, and the funniest one that I always come back to, and Jonathan, I laugh about this one all the time. He had to convince uh, his fellow soldiers that the T. Eaton Company wasn't owned by Jews. <laughs> The they wouldn't hand, even hire know. Jews half the and in, in, in those days in Toronto, the only way you could work for Eaton's was as a tailor, not in the front of the store, but in the back. On the other hand, there's some funny exchanges, you know, just to, to show the, the, the I don't know, I want to use the word clash, but the mix of cultures. He writes, I think it's in November of 44, that his men are starting to get Christmas packages. And he's writing to his mother and his sister, to our grandmother and great-grandmother back in Toronto. And he's saying, there's going to be lots of nasharai for the Yontif. And of course, he's Jewish and he's talking about their holiday. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, you know, in that in that context, uh, as Elliot said, he, I, he wasn't you know, particularly observant, but he was very Jewish. He had we have his Sidur. He had a Sidur with him, which we I surmise he brought from Toronto. It doesn't look like army issue. There's no English in it or anything. And he writes a few times things like, you know, uh, I went to a Kol Nidre service. I went to a Pesach Seder. So he obviously far so far away from home that connection to his jewish heritage whether you call it religious or ethnic or, or whatever it was was very important to him and i think together with the letters it was part of keeping him grounded and keeping him i don't want to say sane but you know keeping him together over there let's fast forward to the ceremonies and this trip there was a ceremony at this meadow where harry and 10 other guys were buried temporarily until the Holton Cemetery was created a couple of years after the war. We get to this site, and the organizers have put together 10 wooden crosses and one Magin David, and the pictures of all the soldiers who had been buried there. The most incredible thing was that there was this woman there in a wheelchair, this woman in her 90s, who lived in the farmhouse next to the field. And the story is that, as a little girl, she used to put flowers on the graves every day on her way to school. And she still lives there. And she came to the ceremony along with some of the other locals and her grandchildren. And the organizers had prepared 11, um, 11 bunches of flowers, bouquets, and she gave them to her grandchildren and they put them on the graves. So, you know, the trip wasn't about Harry, but they did so many things um, that were special. And they had thought they knew the story of Harry and everybody seemed to be amazed by the story. But... You know, they, so there was just so many things on this trip that we connected to, even though, you know, he wasn't our father or grandfather. And in a, in a sort of bizarre kind of way, Elliot and I both feel like we know him really well. And so being on this trip for us was, was a, you know, to honor him and, and, and to sort of be there for him because other people who were there, you know, these were children of veterans or I guess maybe some grandchildren, but mostly children of veterans. And Harry never had a family. And so we were there for him and it was very moving. The other ceremony that was so nice that they set up was 
Many years ago, uh, 2007, I was on a trip with Discovery Channel when I was working for them, and I found the exact spot where Harry was killed. And it turns out the family that lived there at the time still lives there now. And the, the, the owner of the home was eight at the time when Harry was killed, and he still lives there. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He still remembered the day that it happened because his family's house was getting bombed. He remembered when they were pulling Harry out of the barn after he got killed. Um, and we ended up having a ceremony there. The people of the house invited the entire trip to come and spend some time out on their lawn, which I just thought was the nicest thing. Yeah, it's, it's making me cry, but I know it must have been unbelievably emotional. What did you bring with you? Did you bring his sitter? Did you do Kaddish? What did you do? At the site, we didn't do that. Actually, Elliot brought the family some maple syrup and I brought them some olive oil from Israel. <laughs> um, but we had a ceremony at the Holton Cemetery. And the cemetery, if you haven't been there, it's quite large. It's close to 1,400 graves of boys who didn't make it home. And it's beautiful. And uh, they wanted to have a ceremony and they asked me to say a prayer. So I, I was trying to think, what could I do? We didn't have a minion. I didn't feel comfortable saying Kaddish with everybody around. And so I took the El Malay Rachamim prayer that we say for the soldiers of the Israel Defense Forces. But instead of being about Israeli soldiers, I made it about the Canadian soldiers who fought. And I held Harry Sidur and I said the prayer. Merciful God who dwells above, provide a sure rest on the wings of the Divine Presence amongst the holy and pure and heroic, who shine as brightly as the sky. To the souls of all the soldiers of the Canadian Armed Forces. In fact, you know, as, as Elliot said, we were the only Jewish people there, but people came over to me after and said, we were, we were waiting for some religious content and, and you really provided it for us, which I think was interesting considering it's a Jewish prayer. And uh, what we also did there was um, Elliot had brought some stones from Toronto and I brought some earth and stones from Jerusalem because in one of his letters, Harry says, I hope after the war I have the opportunity to travel, and I'd like to visit Palestine. And since he never made it to the land of Israel, I brought a bit of the land of Israel to him. And we put the stones and the earth on his grave, which I think we both found very moving. And then we had stones left over, and um, we found some other Jewish graves in the cemetery, and so we put stones on there. What you did is an incredible mitzvah and an incredible life-changing journey for you too, I imagine. You know, it's, it's funny... I was thinking a lot on the trip and, and since about the significance of memory. I mean, does it, does it matter to, to him? Does it matter to, to, that he's remembered that we did this? You know, I mean, nobody's going to remember me in a couple of generations. I don't know if it, if it has any significance, but it feels like it does. It feels like it does. Maybe somewhere he, <laughs> he knows that we did this. Uh, and also I think for, for us and our children and, and, um, you know, I think it's it's an important it's important that he be remembered, his sacrifice be remembered, and you know, I guess the importance of memory is what what one does with it. What strikes me as we end off is that you said he was uh, shot in the head, April eleventh. The, the war ended literally, you know, two weeks later. It was so close, and then he would have been home free. And he writes in his letters. Uh, even though the war feels like it's at the end, you know, you're not there till you're done. And he wrote that on April 9th, 1945. Which we believe was his last letter. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, adds to the tragedy, of course. You know, the fact that, you know, they did this operation 
to liberate Holland, which I guess was important because it had been a horrible winter and the Dutch were starving. But the truth is Germany had collapsed already. I mean, the, the, the British and the Americans were in Berlin. You know, if they'd waited a couple of weeks, it would have happened anyway. Not that I'm, you know, saying anything, anybody did anything wrong. I'm just saying that it just adds to the tragedy that he had seen such horrific, horrific fighting for a couple of years in Italy. And then he gets killed just before the end when it was really over. I wish I had been there with you. I feel like I was a little bit. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this Remembrance Day 2022 episode of the CJN Daily. Sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. Today's listener's shout-out goes to Gary Capellis of Toronto. He wrote in to tell us that his late father had been in the same group of Buchenwald boys as Robbie Weisman, and he sent me a photo of the teens after the war posing together with another of the boys who would go on to become chief rabbi of Israel. Really small world. And we'll end with the news out of Ontario, where Jewish groups are rejoicing after the province announced it's making Holocaust education mandatory for kids in grade 6, beginning next fall. It's usually done by grade 10, but with the rise of anti-Semitic incidents happening in Ontario's schools and classrooms, including Hitler salutes, the education minister says it's important to intervene sooner before kids start seeing these memes and Holocaust denial posts all over their social media and copying them. You can read the full story on our website by my colleague Lila Sarek. And here is a bit of the press conference from Wednesday at a Toronto synagogue. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. We'll be back on Monday. I think it is so important we introduce it in grade 6. Keeping in mind, we maintained a very strong uh, mandatory learning in grade 10 in, the, in, in, our, uh, world, in our Canadian World History course. So this is going to allow for an elementary element in high school. It'll allow for teachers to be better trained. It'll allow parents to be better resourced. Uh, and it'll hopefully, the, the aim of this is to fundamentally through hearts and minds, empower young people to combat hate and to be an ally against the rising tide of anti-Semitism and Jew hate that I believe is entirely unacceptable. And it requires some moral leadership in this country from politicians and governments to say more than just never again. And so today we're putting those words into action. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.